Our guest today describes himself as a backyard engineer who makes the sound of a chewed-up VHS tape, making music with flamethrowing organs and circuit-bending electronic Bibles. Sam Battle will stop at nothing to get the sound he wants for his music, and quite often it involves um, the kind of retro that we really like on this channel, things like the Commodore PET and the Sega Master System in new and inventive ways. Here to tell us about his history, his rise to YouTube stardom, and his unbelievably cool creations from the channel Look Mum No Computer, welcome Sam. Hello, how's it going? How are you doing, man? I'm great, great. How are you, Sam? Yeah, not bad, not bad. I mean, like when when you asked uh, to do this, uh, I, I I already I'm already a subscriber to your channel and I'm already a fan and a regular watcher. So it did make my day when I had a little pop up to say that you'd subscribed because it shows you when people subscribe, it puts them in order of how big their channel is. So of oh, course, really? you went to the top of the list having the huge oh. channel that you do. Oh. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's really well, that's cool. cool. Oh, nice. So um, you build a wide range of instruments which incorporate some of our favourites, Game Boys, Mega Drives, Commodore 64s. Did you have any of these systems growing up? That's a very good question. <laughs> I've got to remember now. I had a, I had a Game Boy. Uh, my, my, I got it from my cousin when she was bored of it. Uh, I sold it after a while at a car boot sale and then she asked for it back. So that, <laughs> but um, I had the Game Boy. I had... Well, I had a Windows 95 computer and uh, a PlayStation 1, but I didn't have anything else. I never had a Furby or anything like that. And I guess the reason why I still had some mystique about these Furbies and these machines, everybody at the playground or stuff saying, they were, oh, they're amazing, they're magical and stuff. It's because I never really experienced them, I guess. So I never really experienced a Furby. And I bought my first Furby when I was uh, like... 20 probably and uh it was uh it was it, yeah and i realized they were pretty rubbish but i i had so much endearment towards them that it didn't really matter <laughs> <laughs> if you buy enough of them you can make them do something <laughs> yeah so um you mentioned you had a windows 95 machine there did you realize then at that point that you could start making music on that machine or were you always working with the synths away from the the computer oh, sequencing yeah, well, and stuff to be honest i never really um uh up until about I think I was maybe, yeah, up until, uh, well, yeah, 1920, I didn't know what a synthesizer was. I thought, like, I just played guitar all the time. And uh, I built a pedal, in, like, at school, uh, and that's kind of because Brian May had a pedal that he apparently built himself, but I found out he didn't. Was, uh, was, uh, like, my whole reason why I built electronics was a lie. Brian May didn't make his own, range, like, Dallas Range Master. So I don't know where I heard it from. He made his own guitar. He made his guitar, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, but I just, I built the pedal that, you know, made Night of the Opera sound so, that album, and then it didn't sound anything like that. It sounded absolutely god-awful, and I, but it was magical, the feeling that you built something, but it took about a month and a half to build it, when it usually would take about an hour if you, well, now it would take about an hour, it's just, it was magical, that sense, and now I've completely forgotten what the question was. Oh, yeah, the Windows 95. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Windows 95... I, that that computer, well, I didn't. I think what I used it for mainly was Lego Mindstorms. Uh, so the uh, they had an infrared uh, uh, like beacon that you connected into the parallel port at the back. I think it was, and then um, yeah, it just uh, speaks to the little Lego machine. You tell the Lego a very rudimentary, kid-friendly version, uh, late nineties of uh, what to make. Uh, yeah, of uh, programming. So uh, I wasn't really into music at that point. I probably didn't really do musical things until uh yeah guitars until i realized that 
at a college that you could make music on a computer. And then I was doing computer production for a few years. And I've, I can't remember why. I just found myself doing more circuit bending. And and then I found a, a broken Korg MS-10, which is a synthesizer, my first synthesizer on eBay, and played it and just real, was wowed by the, the rawness and the sound of just being so simplistic was able to be so strong and, and fantastic that you didn't actually have to use any computer-aided things mm. to sound real and like a band, but electronic. So like the Human League, which I've later found out because I didn't really know any electronic music at that time. I was just listening to metal, really. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. And what pop, Cascade is probably as far as I got. Bass Hunter. <laughs> <laughs> I dropped some plastic. I put it down. <laughs> yeah. So you are now uh, you're a YouTuber. I mean, you're you're a you're a solo artist. Are you in a band as well at the moment, or doing your uh, no, own thing? No, I'm not in a band. I, I uh, was in a band. I've, I've been in in and out of a few bands in my lifetime that just um, afforded me to be able to just sit and uh, like uh, explore uh, electronics. Whilst uh, the other people in the band were, well, the first band they were they were all just party animals, and I was just <laughs> hiding in there. I just ah. Uh, I just I just prefer to have my own company than uh, anybody else's company, so I just hid and learned electronics really. And then I, I started a band called Zebra, and that was and I just um, yeah it was it was my life for two or three years. Uh, got dropped. Rest of the artists, rest of the musicians left, and I was like, okay, fine, uh, I'll be a solo artist. And then I named. I didn't know what to name it, and I had a zine called Look Mum No Computer, which was just a zine of what to, um, I'll take off, uh, what I was, my hobby, which is this stuff, and I just I just did a silly video. I can't remember why, which one was the first video. Oh yeah, it was on the Game Boy, triple Game Boy oscillator machine, and people had just got traction on Facebook, and I was like, okay, and it just had a logo of the zine called Look Mum No Computer, so I decided to call it that. <laughs> And a channel was born, and that's how it happened, yeah. yeah. And you also, I understand, you also write for other people. Is that something you still do, or are you too busy to do that at the moment? Yeah, well, I mean, uh, it's, it's lucky, luckily enough, I mean, I do it like uh, it's a regular thing. It's just not super often. It used to be quite often that I did it. I probably did it once or twice a week now. I probably do it, well, it's very difficult to do it now in uh, lockdown times. Try to do remote sessions. That's next to impossible. Like there's no vibe to be able to write a song. There's no there's no creative bounce back, and it was be, it's been very difficult to write <laughs> songs. But yeah, no, I write songs for uh, with other artists, and uh, I'm not doing it as much now. Probably like once a month, but it's enough to every so often you get some sort of advert or something come along, and then that's a little bit of funding towards. Uh, you know popped into a project or something yeah yeah so from all the things you do it sounds like correct me if i'm wrong but it sounds like your priority and i guess what you consider to be your job is the youtube channel first and foremost is it now i don't know you don't know i I, I just uh i wake up and just do what needs to be done (laughs) i have a to-do list as long as this and then i i don't know what the priority would be Uh, just just to be creative and make sure that it's sustainable and YouTube is definitely a part, an aspect to that, and it's a big aspect to that, a massive aspect. So it probably is, yeah, I guess so. The music and the YouTube, and then it's like a triangle. I try to do as many things as I can. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it's all part of a greater whole called Look, Look Mum No Computer, and YouTube. I guess is part so. Of yeah. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, ordinarily, I mean, because of where we are today, what's going on? 
you explained to me before we started that you're in a bunker in the bottom of your garden. But yeah, well, funnily enough, like um, that I rent the flat. I rent this flat and uh, we went to find the cheapest flat that we could in the area. And this was the one. And before this lockdown stuff, this was full of uh, uh, rubbish. Okay. So I just offered to empty it as long as I could use the space. And like, this is literally what I've got <laughs> at the minute. Like literally put a door on it and um, and this is it. Uh, I have um, I, I had to move out of my other place during lockdown. Uh, I wasn't able to go to there really much because it was a shared space. And um, uh, other people like uh, they had... They were like, um, it's a car garage. So it's in a car garage oh, and okay. the car garage still operates. So I couldn't really go there. So it was a bit of an annoying thing. And I had to move out at the time. So I moved out and I've got another place, which is um, uh, down the road. <laughs> but I've, I'm still uh, getting it ready. Okay. Uh, what was the question? <laughs> yeah, a garden. <laughs> bunker. Yes, this bunker. It's just uh, it, it does what it needs to do for right now, which is... You it's know, a good make, look. It works. It works as a backdrop. It's very crummy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, hopefully not here for long. So you explained that your normal studio then is is like a garage, a shared space, a workshop. And for your channel, is it just you there or do you have anyone helping you out? Um, most of the time it's just me. Uh, every so often I have a mate who is in there as well. He's uh, uh, He does um, videos and stuff for adverts and stuff he does but we work together here and there his name's johnny and he he's uh in a company in, in a duo called euphims we did we met by them doing music videos for zebra the band zebra we did a load of retro-esque vhs youtube videos well music videos and then uh he helps every so often like on tour and stuff but most of the time it's <laughs> me and a tripod so, so what we're seeing truly is you. What we're seeing is what we get when we're watching you. Then there's, there's no, you know, uh, horde of writers behind the scenes or anything oh, like that. No such well, luxury. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know about you, but I, don't, I just, I, I found an experience that being, uh, yeah, working as a team is a, a very slow process. Especially, I, I like to. If I get an idea, I'll like usually like the video. I, I mentioned I didn't sleep last night because I came up with an idea yesterday. And I wanted to do it for this weekend. So I have to work. If you're in a team, then you've got to worry about everybody else. It just, it all makes you get slower. And it's something that I wanted to get away from. So the only way I can work quickly and turn corners uh, strategically quickly is uh, to try and do it all myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you mentioned uh, when you were younger that you, you sort of started teaching yourself electronics. So are you completely self-taught or have you had any training at all on the electronic side of things? Yeah, it's self-taught on the electronic side. I I did chemistry uh, university and decided no, and went and tried to do creative music technology, and then realised that why why would you go to university to study creative music technology? It's not really a sort of thing that you're gonna. Yeah, I didn't understand why you would do that, so I quickly got out of that and decided the only way I'm going to learn is by experience and jumping into the industry and the field, which is what I did in my early 20s by getting into songwriting, music production and stuff like that and managed to make a living out of it for a while. <laughs> yeah. And then let's turn our attention then to the YouTube channel then. Um, you mentioned the first video, the, the Game Boy Oscillator. You started in 2016 and you've now got over yeah. 300,000 subscribers. 
Must feel, cool. must feel good. Must feel good. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, good. And your uh, your biggest video, I believe, is the Furby organ video with over five million views. It's a yeah. Huge however, video. however, this is this is uh, this is a funny thing is because it's not the most viewed one because on Facebook, which is where I started, uh, the flame for our organ got fifteen million, which is mad. <laughs> That's crazy. It only got 20,000 on YouTube. <laughs> so you just never know which format. It always depends which format. Like you'd, some videos do well on one format and they do absolutely awful. But the Furby organ kind of but did well on both Facebook and YouTube, which is good. I'm very happy with that. And it really, really helped with the YouTube uh, channel, the Furby organ. Yeah, yeah. And you kicked off with, uh, you mentioned the Game Boy one. And then just talk to us about those early days then, because, you know, it takes a while for your channel to settle in, or normally it does, for you to think, is this going to be a success or not? Is this worth my time? You yeah. Know, was it just a vertical route for, to success for you, or was it a bit of a roller coaster? Just talk us through the early it's, days. It's always a roller coaster, isn't it, really? I don't know whether it's ever really cut and dry. I, do, I, I usually have a. Uh, my my uh, my outlook on these sort of things is just uh, just to keep on going. But you never know because whatever what like you always get down about things and uh, the fluctuations of certain aspects to uh, these kind of uh, jobs and stuff. And it was never really uh, at the start. It was pretty difficult trying to juggle all of this stuff and all of the other stuff and work and whatnot stuff like that and uh yeah it was very strange and um it's been just a slow burner really just building up and gradually progressing to something a bit more sustainable but you never know what who knows yeah yeah you know there's definitely sacrifices have to be made in those early days if if a channel looks like it's going somewhere you know like you say you can't give up your day job there's definitely sacrifices to be made yeah yeah um i mean to be honest there is there are like for me there's just there is sacrifices uh it's just more they're not sacrifices anymore they're just life (laughs) (laughs) it's just that's that's the whole thing about oh (laughs) funnily enough i've got this uh this project that i'm trying to finish for sunday i don't know where it's gone power glove yeah so i'm going to make power glove play music and then get the a robotic hand to play the power glove nice you were giving us the bird there (laughs) <laughs> yeah but then the problem is is i printed the wrong hand <laughs> this is a left hand that's the right hand oh no so I've, I've been rushing to make another one so you've 3d printed that yeah it's taking forever i bet how many Absolutely. hours of, how many hours does that take to print then on, on your well, this is taking this they've take they take about a week each Jeez. of just constant printing i guess there's a i just um i had to put in a I had it next to the bedroom, but my my girlfriend was not too happy with the constant. So just to tell us quickly, what what's the three D printer that you've got there? Because I know people will be interested. It is. It's very good, actually. It's much better, like uh, the Lulzbot Mini. I, I rate Lulzbot because uh, they're a little bit more expensive than a lot of the uh, Chinese ones and stuff like that. You get really quick, like cheap, but the cheap ones just. I've seen people use them and the failure rates are just like way outweigh it. You may as well just get a decent one uh, because, yeah, it's just you, you don't need to calibrate it. It just works. I haven't had to do anything and it's uh, I've had to I can bypass a load of steps on things like this because, you know, it's going to be able to print. Well. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. So um, as a musician, I'm sure you've got plenty of thoughts on, um, I guess, the value of, of creativity 
when we're just on the subject of YouTube. Do you think YouTube rewards creators like you? Is, is it fair, do you think, the, what you get out for what you put in? I really, well, I don't know. I don't think so. I think it's about trying to get lots of different pockets of uh trying to find the funding let's well being self-employed is trying to you're trying to find the, the funding where the money wherever you can so it's like it's one avenue part of the video thing and i, I don't i really don't know the percentages to sure. uh be able to uh judge it's just it's pretty good that you get any money regardless it's not it's not massive it's not a very large part for me but i don't like i can imagine if you get like well, like seven or eight million views a month, you probably end up. Well, what is it? It's like a thousand or two thousand pounds per million view or something. Right. Okay. Ish, yeah. Yeah. About that. And it varies quite largely. I don't really know. It's about and there's people. Isn't there a central bank break now where you could put a, an advert in the middle of your video or something like that? Yeah. 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 So you can, yeah. I, I don't really know. Um, well, it's clearly uh, not that important to you then. If you, you know, it sounds like you've got your your risk spread across lots of different revenue streams then, then rather than just being entirely dependent on youtube so so um so life well, transport tycoon taught me a lot that's all i'm saying <laughs> it's like when i was a kid i played transport tycoon all day every day and it was just about you know working out the risks and try not just one trusting on one thing and working out every single bit to make it work i don't know I can Do you know what I mean, though? I can totally relate to that. Yes, I put thousands of hours into Transport Tycoon and SimCity and games like that, managing really all your pots and your budget. Live. Yeah. If you want to be a self-employed person, you've got to play Transport Tycoon at least 180 hours. Perfect. <laughs> More. <laughs> so uh, onto the inventions then, the, the flame-throwing synths and the, the musical instruments based on bicycles. Um, we've got various questions from some of my patrons peppered through here so the first one's from mark uh and he says um given how unique some of your projects are who or what inspires you creatively with the inception and, and the development of your designs where do these ideas come from that's tough they always vary uh, um some of them happen by conversations in a pub uh some of them happen when when you're just walking around or in the shower. Shower, epiphany shower is the best. But it, I, it's very strange. Like that is a big question: is where where does idea where are ideas conceived? Where do they come from? Sometimes it's best know. not to think too hard about it, is it? Just just let them wash over you. Let the ideas come. Yeah. What is it? What is it? Lady inspiration. You've got to be open to lady inspiration, or she'll she won't bother dropping. You know farting the cloud of inspirit like creativity into your nose or something it's it's, it's very strange I, I don't know where it do you get lots of requests from viewers though with with ideas and suggestions ah yeah that's a good point um i do get quite a quite a few messages and emails about you should do this you should do that and sometimes they're all right. Sometimes they're really good, and I, I I act on them quite quickly. Like behind me is another project that somebody emailed, messaged me a couple of days ago about. I was like, oh, that's a really good idea. Got to do it now. <laughs> uh, the fart box was a tweet uh, from um, a guy called Cursor. He said, make a fart box. Oh, and uh, dead mouse circuit bender Bible. There was there's a few ideas that are suggestions, and then there's a few that are just uh, yeah just. They just turn up somehow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's so cool that you're on the radar of, of someone like Dead Mouse, you know, superstar oh, no. musician, and Mad. you're interacting with him. 
Um, and you Correct. you mentioned there that you you did circuit bending on an electronic Bible. Uh, circuit bending is a term that comes up a lot on your channel. So just explain to us what you're doing when you say you're circuit bending something. Okay. Um, so you what you do you you, you take something apart and uh, preferably not mains voltage, and then you make connections between parts in a circuit that aren't necessarily supposed to be there. So in essence, you're bending a circuit. So you're bending a circuit to make it do something that it's not necessarily made to do. And this it's very close to hacking, like uh, hardware hacking, which, but hardware hacking, usually you tend to uh, uh, build on something mm -hmm. instead of bend it to be a, it's a lot more of a, um, a strange way of doing it. Mm -hmm. Well, if you'll allow me, I'll just put in a clip at this point of, the uh, the Bible in action. Is that okay? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. So there we go. This little wire thing is going to connect quite nicely onto this. Like so. <laughs> Awesome! We've got ourselves a working circuit bend Bible. Next question comes from Reese. He says, do you have any plans to do anything with the Atari ST in the near future? There definitely hasn't been enough Atari ST action on your channel, Winky Face. Yeah, well, they, they're not going to like this because, I mean, actually, yeah, there was, um, who's, there's a guy called Gwem. Can't remember his second name. He's made this tracker. Can't remember the tracker. It hasn't come to mind yet. But I've been, play I've played on it quite a bit and I, I was going to do a video and then I, it didn't happen. I think because one of my main SD, well, miraculously stopped working. You know how that goes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then I just haven't got around to fixing it. And um, for for Cubase, I got to be honest. I like I like um, the Apple uh, the Macintosh Classic version of Cubase. People will dispute that, but it's just it is what it is. Because <laughs> on the face of it, you you obviously favour the chunky tactile um, bits of hardware with big dials and switches that you can use and abuse all day long. Um, so you do you do go back to using the laptops and the and the Macintosh that you mentioned there. Are you just as comfortable with a with a VST as you are with the oh. hardware itself? Um, 
I struggle actually using uh, VSTs and stuff. I never the problem with VSPs and especially VST synthesizers and stuff is they make things way too complicated, way too quickly. When you try to get the essence of a sound, uh, it's very hard to get a character with a simple thing. And the thing about using hardware is you're able to keep it extremely simple but sound good. It's like the the the, the definition of a good sounding thing on VST is something stupidly complicated, and that's just it's just it makes it very bland. <laughs> so I try. I just um I've tried it a lot recently. It's just it just really isn't the same. And everybody's like, oh it is the same, it is the same, but it's not for me. <laughs> <laughs> so in your collection then, um I mean classic synths are incredibly collectible. Do you have any special ones in your collection that might get some of the synth nerds excited? Well, uh, maybe. I don't know. It's very tough to say because I have I have a lot of synths that I've collected up over the years most of them are broken still uh, I, I only tend to buy broken things it's uh, yeah if you ever you you look like the kind of guy who goes on ebay and clicks for parts oh yes all day yeah, yeah. you know yeah. what i mean you go to office industrial uh, oh no no it's in computing now isn't it yeah yeah so Red vintage computers yeah yeah and then and then parts not working spares and repairs yeah yeah Cause, exactly. i mean because that makes a more interesting video yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah and that does too and stuff and like you never there are some gems on ebay aren't there sometimes yeah, everybody's got those stories where you're like oh man how did how did you how were you that lucky like um there was one that um it was in 2012 and i was in i was in a place called calabasas in california in los angeles we were recording recording an album i know it was really strange i don't know how that happened uh we were in this place and i was on ebay and I just typed in Game Boy job lot. First time I ever typed it in, something got a, a, a job lot of uh, original Game Boy DMGs. I think there was uh, about a hundred of them. Uh, got listed uh, for buy it now just before I typed, about 10 minutes before I typed it in for $15. I didn't think about it, buy it now. And I would thought this is a scam, it's not turning up. Two days later, from I don't know somewhere else in America, it's just the whole box for fifteen dollars of a hundred Game Boy DMGs. Jeez, jeez, and wow. I had to buy a briefcase to uh, get it, get it home. Obviously, some might call that fate. It was destined to be with you. <laughs> Definitely. I mean, yeah. I I don't know how else to. It's very strange, isn't it? Yeah. Do you have any other tips tips for for people who are looking to buy stuff? You mentioned eBay, but are there any other places that you go to to find stuff? Uh, um, I mean, it's, it's, we're giving away the secrets now. I know, now. I know. It's always about being, I think it's about nowadays because everybody's, you know, it, it's easy to get there. It's being creative about what you do and what you're after. Like I, I email universities uh, looking, asking what whether they have the parts. I was lucky enough, the big green things that I have in the back, uh, they're Brawl and Cure things. And I was very addicted to getting them for a large thing that I'm still working on. I've got about... 40 of them now and i've never spent more than what maybe 50 pounds for each of them and they're just uh, yeah i just found them university job lots here and there <laughs> so it's just uh looking around and thinking outside of the box sometimes yeah so just just try your luck and see what you can find yeah um and also there was a video uh just on the subject of synths uh where you went to switzerland and there was some kind of crazy synth museum that you went to visit that was incredible that was mad. Yeah. I mean, it's still, it's, it's there. Like, um, uh, it's, it was just, we were in Switzerland for, I was doing a gig 
and just trying to find what to do around there. And I think they emailed me a few, uh, maybe a year before actually, uh, about it. And it, there wasn't, there isn't a massive amount of pictures at that time, so I didn't know what to expect. And then, yeah, it turned up, and it was just a whole place full of old synths. And and the story was that these, all of these synths were just sat in a damp warehouse, stacked on top of each other. Uh, that the collector just, you know, he bought a load, chucked them in the in there, you know, and they're just now they're sitting there, and it's like they're being getting renovated to be used and stuff. I get a lot of comments on that that I mistreated the synthesizers and picked them up and knocked them down, but it's like that's what synthesizers are—they're tools. They're nothing. They're not to be like computers. They're not to be, you know, well, cherished, yes, but ultimately to be used. They're they're tools. Yeah, they? yeah. You've got to respect this old hardware, but you know, part of that respect is actually picking them up and using them as they were intended to be, for sure. So yeah. all, all of these things then, the YouTube channel, the hardware hacking, the music, and um, well, without doubt, your personality clearly created the perfect storm because not only did your channel explode, but in 2019, you were invited to give a TED talk, which is quite, cool. quite the honor, right? Yeah, yeah, it was awesome. You showed no, you showed no signs of nerves up on the stage. Uh, how did you find it? Trying to remember whether I was nervous or not. <laughs> it was only a year ago. <laughs> yeah i can't remember sometimes sometimes nerves gets to me it's usually the nerves nerves only really happen when there's a when there's a, only a handful of people right a handful of people in a small situation and you know these people maybe that's the nervous time every other time is um you know if there's a big group of people and it's just I, I don't tend to get that nervous and i'm able to focus the concentration into a sort of you know straight stream you know like uh you're able to uh get a get a get a straight flow of um of vocalness i don't, I don't know i was just i think i was full of beans <laughs> yeah yeah well, it came across really well did uh did any new opportunities come up off the back of that ted talk did anyone approach you off of that because you must have got a lot of exposure from that yeah i can't i uh, i don't know i can't remember exactly what was attributed to that that exact thing but maybe <laughs> maybe <laughs> it was around the same time i was yeah I, I i don't know if there was anything directly attributed to it but maybe i'm completely missing something a lot of people have emailed about it and aston said good guy it was nice to hear somebody talk about those kind of sensations and stuff yeah uh because they feel it too so it's, it was good good I'm glad that people enjoyed it and um you know took something away yeah yeah well, I mean, you certainly had a huge, a huge ball of momentum behind you because um, you're here now with your 300,000 plus subscribers. You're touring the world under normal conditions, you would be. <laughs> um, so where do you want the future to take you now with this momentum and with this audience behind you? Because, you know, surely the world's your oyster now, Sam. What, what, what are you going to do with all this power? Oh, it's a lot of responsibility, right? I, I don't know. I just kind of want to keep on building things. That's yeah. really what I want to do. I just want to just, uh, you know, at the start of this, I was trying to focus on how can I, how can I be left alone for the maximum amount of time to to make whatever the heck I want. <laughs> you know, you know, that was that's sort of the goal with this thing is just being able to create things and being able to just be left alone, uh, like and focus on things and just let your mind go. Um, 
crazy and be able to build things that you've always wanted to build and stuff. And then talking about them has aided that. Like a good, like YouTube has made it easy to get out of bed to say, right, today I can now justify building a silly machine and not, not just shutting the world out, which is an amazing feeling. Like for a recluse, anyway. Well, I'm not really a recluse, but just a for somebody who just you know like hiding away and just getting on with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I can completely relate. You know, I've got a basement office studio here, which I call the cave. It's just me yeah. every day. Come in, do whatever I want, and absolutely <laughs> love every minute of it. So. It's uh, like, so we're very, very fortunate to be able to have these opportunities. It's it's an amazing, uh, yeah, and uh, you know, just always got to watch behind my back because you never know. It might it might go funky and I, I won't be able to build all the time. So I'm just trying to do it as much as I possibly can every waking hour. <laughs> <laughs> well, good luck to you, Sam, with the future. Um, I have got one last question from viewer Gary, and I, I promise I haven't put him up to this. He says, uh, I'm a big fan and I've been watching your channel for a long time. You may or may not know in the past, we've had some absolutely banging raves in the cave here. Um, if you're ever in the area, would you consider doing a set in the cave? Yeah. Where, where is your area? It's near Swindon, over Wiltshire Swindon. Way. Swindon. Yeah. So. yeah. Oh, yeah. Where well, are you based? You're London Swindon. Way, aren't you? Uh, no, Margate. Oh, Margate. Well, it's near the... Um, near the old computer museum there museum yeah yeah i know those guys nice guys yeah they are yeah. a video about that didn't you yeah i did a visit there actually i remember now one of the volunteers mentioned you were in the area uh yeah. i remember now so uh yeah i'll let you know if i'm over that way again and uh likewise if you're near swindon uh, swindon chuck your I commodore know, if pet. i can manage to isn't that the place with the uh crazy roundabout the magic roundabout yeah magic roundabout yeah i remember seeing i remember driving through that because we were we were playing at a, a swimming pool <laughs> it was in a swimming pool. We had a gig in a swimming pool place. Okay. Swindon swimming pool? Yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> good man, Probably good well man. Do if we're ever in Swindon. <laughs> Sam, it's been a pleasure chatting to you, sir. Thank you very much for your time today. Oh, well, thank you very much. <laughs> If you enjoy my content and would like to support The Cave while receiving a completely ad-free experience and access to releases one week before they go public, then visit patreon.com forward slash retro mancave and join the official cave dwellers. Thank you for your support.